So, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Cummancy Inspirations production being produced here in our Cummancy studio here in Ada. And this the 15th of November. It's the 32nd, it's the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the program this morning, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. Good, Shane. Thanks a lot for joining us, and you're, very, you're, well, you're welcome. Uh, thank you so much indeed for joining us each week. Shane, I'm going to put you on the spot and just ask you a question, if I could. When we mention each week the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, I'm referring to Ordinary Time. Briefly, can you tell the listeners what we mean by Ordinary Time? Um, <laughs> the easiest way to explain Ordinary Time, uh, I suppose... You know, people will know the seasons like Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter. Okay. Um, so ordinary time is the time, the normal liturgical time outside of those particular festivals. Those particular That's an easy way of doing it. And I yeah. th- think I think the priest vestments are usually in green, I think. Is that, is that right for ordinary time? Generally, yeah. Green is the colour for ordinary time. Lovely. Thanks a lot for that, Shane. So again, uh, we want to welcome, especially those listeners at home who are housebound, maybe lonely and struggling in some way today. And our listeners, especially those who support us in prayer each week. We appreciate that and please keep that up and thank you so much for that. Our programme, as people will be aware at this stage, is broadcast on West Limit 102 local radio at 10am and 11pm each Sunday. And the podcast of Sacred Space 102FM is just some of the Come and See Inspirations podcasts available for playback and download at Come and See Inspirations podcast page. If you just Google Come and See Inspirations, you'll find us there. You can listen to all the podcasts that we have up there from our, well, uh, for the last few years, actually, on that particular page. I mean, going back for 12 years, we have it on a different page, um, which is on the Sacred Space uh, blog. But Come and See Inspiration will give us some more recent ones for the last few years. Just to explain, to listen to again the 10 a.m. Um, the 10 a.m. Uh, program each Sunday morning, um, we include in that mass from Abbeyfield Parish. Uh, thanks to the parishioners and for the Tony Munnins and that. So we have the 10 a.m. Um, mass each each Sunday morning. 11 p.m. is our regular program. Uh, just one more, just note of interest to, to listeners who might be interested. After the 11 a.m. news uh, news program, uh, sorry, news here on West Limit 102, uh, Monday to Friday, we we broadcast the Rosary with Dana and Father Kevin Scanlon. If you want to contact us, please do so, and that's on 087 6088 667. That's 087 6088 or email come in at gmail.com. Again, that text is 087-6088-667 or email comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. Now, this part of the programme is where Shane enlightens us as to who, uh, from a saint's point of view, might be accompanying us this week. Shane, who we got for us this week, please? Yeah, thanks, John. Um, so, as you said, uh, matters liturgical and celestial guide related. Um so today is the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, and for those that keep track of such things, today is the World Day of the Poor, set up by Pope Francis uh, when he had the Jubilee Year of Mercy, and he issued that apostolic letter, Misfordia et Miseria, and it, the idea being that it is a reminder to us that while next Sunday is the Feast of Christ the King, 
Um, we must rem the reminder that he Christ identified with the little ones and the poor and who will judge us all on our works of mercy. So Monday, the 16th of, of November, is the feast day of two women. First of all, it's St. Margaret of Scotland, wife of Malcolm III, died in 1093, and very much involved with the reform of the church and reform of her husband, actually. She's a patron saint of wives, of battered by, well, not unhappy marriages, I think is the term. St. Gertrude is also celebrated on the 16th of November. She was a Benedictine, famous Benedictine nun. As far as I'm aware, it's very much German, associated with Germany. And from the age of five, she cultivated devotion to, she's known as devotion to the Sacred Heart in particular. And she died in 1302. Uh, and as far as I know as well, St. Gertrude is the saint that's very much associated with the prayers for the Holy Souls. Uh, then on the 17th of November, we have a feast day and another woman saint, a queen, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, queen at 14, widowed and exiled at 20. And uh, she died in 1231 very much involved with service to the poor and then on thursday uh, sorry yeah thursday wednesday the 18th uh, we have the feast day of the dedication of the basilica of, of saint peter and saint paul so last week we had the dedication of the basilica of saint john lateran which is the pope's basilica in or sorry the pope's cathedral in rome so this feast day dedicated marks the dedication of saint peter's basilica uh, the day that it, um, uh, um, which you know the day that it was dedicated Rome, and of course Peter Saint Peter's Basilica built on the spot attributed to the tomb of the Apostle Peter. Thursday then is the feast day of Saint Simon of Mount Mercury. We don't know a whole lot about him except for the fact that he ended up being a hermit on Mount Mercury. Then Friday is the twentieth again, the saint of not we don't know a whole lot about Saint Basil of Antioch. He's a martyr, died around the the year 200 or so, and all we know about him is his name. He's been listed on the ancient lists of the martyrs for centuries. Finally, then, on Saturday, the 21st, we have the feast day of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, a feast day very much which has come to us from the East, associated very much with the Orthodox Church before being included in our own calendar in the, 20th, in the 16th century, rather. And, of course, obviously, it celebrates the tradition then that under Jewish law, children were presented to the Lord. Very much comes from the even the Proto-Evangelicum of St. James, which is um, a story which is non-canonical, uh, but it gives an interesting insight into the devotions of the early church. And uh, in particular, just feast, a happy feast day to those religious orders which celebrate their profession days on this day, uh, which is uh, the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So that's what we have, John, for this week's Spirit of God's events. Thank you for sharing that with us. So this part of the programme is where we pray our spiritual communion prayer. For those of us, most of us, who can't receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament sacramentally this morning, but there is a spiritual communion prayer, and it's good we all share and join together in praying this. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we'll go for our first bit of music this morning. Uh, this one is entitled Jesus Send Your Spirit and this is by the Emmanuel community. Spirit. 
and welcome back to part two of Sacred Space 102, a Come and See production, Come and See Inspirations production here on West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose. I'm delighted to have you back on this morning's program. And myself and John are delighted to welcome back uh, on the program this morning a good friend of the program, Father Eamon Conway. Good morning, Eamon. How are things? I'm doing very well, Shane. Delighted to be with you all. Uh, lovely to be with your listeners this morning, and thank you for the invitation to be back with you. It's good to have you back, Eamon. And Father Eamon joins us on this morning's programme. So we are actually going to be talking about another encyclical that has been issued by Pope Francis called Fratelli Tutti. And uh, Father Eamon is going to help us work through the document this morning. So I suppose, Eamon, just to start out, I suppose the first question is, what's an encyclical? So uh, people maybe who, who work in the public service are well aware that uh, governments often issue various documents, you know, and those who teach in schools are well used to the department's circulars. But, of course, you know, they have various levels of authority. So, you know, something that comes like from, say, the secretary in an office is very different from in my work in the college where I teach. If the president sends something personally, it's up in the level of authority that has been claimed or exercised. And so in terms of popes, it's much the same. There are various levels of which do of documents and I suppose the level of acceptance of the teaching that they contain that we as Catholics are required to give. Encyclicals are well up there. They're way up there. And uh, popes uh, issue a number of encyclicals, usually depending on the length of their pontificates. The word encyclical itself, probably in the English, we call it a circular. But as I say, it's more than just an ordinary piece of correspondence. It actually becomes part of the formal uh, teaching of the church. Now, within encyclicals, then, there is a whole uh, raft of encyclicals that are referred to as, as, as part of the church's social teaching. So mm. this is in terms of how human beings are called to relate to one another. So they're not necessarily clarifying aspects of, of doctrine, like trying to understand how Jesus is both human and divine or, um, uh, you know, something to do with uh, faith. For example... Uh, the first encyclical signed by Pope Francis, this is his third, by the way, the, the first encyclical signed by Pope Francis is called Lumen Fide, and usually the titles are in Latin, though not always. Uh, Lumen Fide means the light of faith. So that's really talking about the nature of faith and how do we live faith in contemporary society. In fact, it was written by Pope Benedict almost entirely, but he resigned before he got a chance to sign it. So it was formally signed by Pope Francis. Then Pope Francis uh, wrote the one we have discussed on this program before uh, called uh, Laudato Si. Now, Laudato Si uh, is actually Italian, old Italian, uh, from a prayer by St. Francis of Assisi, which means praise be you. And that, of course, is a hallmark uh, encyclical teaching on care for our common home, care for our planet, on uh, the church's uh, teaching on ecology. But over the years, uh, we've had several uh, social encyclicals. For example, the one that comes to my mind immediately that meant a lot to me when I was studying theology first was John Paul II called Laborum Exertions, which was on the nature of work and the nature of human work and the dignity of people in the workplace. And for example, in that he talks about how uh, work is, in a sense, a human right. We have a right to be able to work and that, um, that what gives work its value is that it's done by a human being. Uh, that's the most important thing, whether one is a, a very exalted job or a different kind of job, uh, you know, and so on. So the church's social teaching deals with various aspects of how we organize 
and relate to each other as human beings. And so Fratelli Tutti, which in fact is Italian in title, means uh, brothers all. Now, there was a lot of controversy before it came out, and a lot of people, a lot of women were jumping up and down. Surely it should be brothers and sisters all. And all I'd say about that is, yeah, there might have been a bit of tone deafness there uh, in terms of how this might be heard, in particularly in English language countries. To be honest, in a lot of countries, this doesn't really matter, simply because Fratelli, Sorelli, uh, you know, these terms, when they're being used singularly like that, are taken to mean men and women, uh, really. They don't just, it becomes too burdensome uh, in those languages uh, to repeat everything. Uh, so very often they're just happy enough to let it go. But look, at, uh, it is addressed to all human, all humankind, really. And let's be mm. clear about that, not get distracted by some discussion. Uh, frankly, I, I have a little bit of impatience uh, for that. So Fratelli Tutti is Pope Francis' third encyclical following Lumen Fide, uh, Laudato Si, and now we're dealing with uh, Fratelli Tutti, and that's why you've asked Fratelli me Tutti. to hear. Indeed. Now, looking through the document, I don't know, if, I, if you were to kind of, I suppose one of the things with church documents is sometimes they can be a bit cumbersome, you know, um, to, kind of, to, to kind of read through. And, and this one, to be honest, was, was, was no exception. It was challenging to get through. But I think for me, I suppose there's a couple of key themes that seem to come out of it. Uh, one of the key ones being seen to be Pope Francis' use of the term fraternal or fraternity, rather. Um, and I'm just kind of, from your own read of the document, if you were to pick out kind of the, maybe two to three main themes that came across, what was it that struck you about the document? Okay, so I suppose the first thing I would say is that um, what we're what we're uh, dealing with here is the Pope's, um, it's a summary, really, of themes we have heard from Pope Francis throughout his pontificate, right from the very word go. Um, you know, the, the joke they say about somebody, this is, he's a man of few words, but he keeps repeating them. Uh, there's some truth mm -hmm. in this. I mean, Pope Francis has a number of constant themes, and he's, he's mentioned them in homilies, he mentions them in catechesis, he mentions them on papal visits, Again, in terms of church teaching, because they're, if you like, ca not casual, but they're they're not as formal communiques. They don't carry the same weight. He's put them together in this encyclical. So, I mean, the first point I pick out about this is that this is he's speaking of things he's often been speaking about with a level of authority that he hasn't otherwise invoked. And so giving them a certain level of authority by inserting them into the church's uh, formal social teaching. I think the second thing I would say is you picked up on the word fraternity. And again, of course, that's gender specific because the female version is sorority, which we wouldn't use. Um, but the better word, I think, for this is solidarity. He's calling for a level of human solidarity uh, throughout humankind. And he's looking to see what can we all agree on, even though we may not be Christians, we may not be Catholics. What can we all actually agree on in terms of what is of interest and is what is at the heart of uh, what it is to be a human person? And in fact, one of the inspirations for um, for this document, which he uh, acknowledges in, in the course of it, is his uh, dialogue in particular with the Grand Imam uh, of Al-Azhar Ahmad Al-Tayeb. I probably made a mess of pronouncing that. Uh, he did with him, which led to a document on human fraternity, uh, which um, re reveals a global reality, I suppose, in which the vulnerable and the marginalized who are at the heart of Pope Francis' pontificate uh, have paid the price for exploitation, for technological um, uh, exploitation and 
tech, the, the inequalities that technological development uh, have caused in our world. So he, um, he already saw, I suppose, very much that there is a, a sense of um, uh, potential for, for an appeal to uh, humanity universally in those earlier conversations. And that seems to be what he's building upon here in this. So in terms of three points, the first one I'd say is that he's speaking with authority about issues he has spoken about throughout his pontificate. Uh, he's uh, building on his dialogue uh, with the imam to appeal uh, for a global solidarity. And then he actually dives into a number of key problems and issues. He gets quite specific. He talks about racism. He talks about immigration. Uh, he talks about interreligious dialogue. Uh, he, I suppose he gets to the core of the theological uh, specific dimension of this when he expounds on the parable of the Good Samaritan. And, you know, the, 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 that in a sense that at the heart of, of what it is to be a human person is that, that spontaneous sense of responding to those who are in need. Um, and uh, really what he's saying to us as Catholics, as Christians, is please be aware of the, of the demands which your faith puts, puts upon you in terms of love of neighbor. That's really what he's, I think, what he's calling for, what he's, what he's talking about. Um, you know, I suppose the whole thing about the church's social teaching, and this is very much what we're talking about here, um, it has been said that among the church's best kept secrets, you know, that we haven't really uh, had it foregrounded as much. Uh, you know, people don't immediately think of the church's teaching on social justice when they think of, of, of the moral demands that are placed upon them. Uh, you know, and I remember hearing somebody, uh, Bishop, talk about this at one stage, you know, that uh, the, the, you know, that in, very often in, in, in confession and so on, people would list out all their sexual sins, but their, the, the, the ways in which we would cheat each other, the way we would uh, maybe, you know, diminish other people by living a life of greed and so on, uh, that we're not at all as conscientized about those issues. And there's a liberation theologian called Albert Nolan, a Dominican. I, I, I remember reading a book of his years ago, but he says more mortal sins are committed in boardrooms than in bedrooms. And I think, uh, you know, Pope Francis is very much uh, alerting us to the way in which powerful people sit back very comfortably and at a safe distance from the marginalized and those living on the peripheries and sign documents and make decisions that impact profoundly on their lives out of greed and selfishness. And I suppose he's calling each one of us within the realm of influence and power we have, including when we can hold people responsible at elections as well, but also in terms of our own daily lives, uh, to be aware of the demands of social justice and how we interact and how we respond to people. Now, let me just say straight away before I, I, I let go of this, um, it's not as if, for example, for Pope Francis, sexual morality isn't also important. Absolutely it is. And he has spoken a lot when he talks about ecology and care for the earth. He talks about how the book of nature is one and indivisible. So Pope Francis has been very strong about accepting what he calls, quoting Pope Benedict, that the rhythm, uh, uh, that we need to respect the, the rhythm of nature that, is, that the creator has written into us by creating us. In other words, human nature is not simply something we can exploit and manipulate and so on. And he, he utterly defends what he calls the colonization, uh, sorry, rather condemns the colonization of the family. And he sees, he says, 
humanity um humanity makes progress only through the family the family is the unit that needs to be so protected and so on so you know there's a connection between if you like care of the earth social justice and human ecology as he calls it these are all interconnected aspects but in fratelli tutti in particular he's talking about uh, the church's social teaching social responsibility and seeking to build um how would you say it a solidarity across uh, religious divides sociocultural divides uh, uh, and so on I suppose, Eamon, one of the questions that could be asked, and I know this has been some of the reaction, uh, particularly in the United States, where there are certain quarters that particularly don't like Francis, but there is very much some people that would interpret a document like this very much from the point of view of um, secular politics. And they would describe it very much in the context of why is the Pope talking about things like racism, immigration, the death penalty, uh, the organization of politics and social rights, the holding of private property. What has that got to do with the things that we deal with or we do as a church, as a prayer community, as a faith community? And, you know, there's accusations of, you know, the Pope has gone red, he's gone communist or socialist. You know, the very red button issues for certain people as well. Like where, where does that come into that whole dynamic of, you know, why, why does the church offer a teaching on something like this? I suppose I'm reminded of, when you say that, of John B. Keynes, The Field, you know, the, the scene in, in that play, if you remember it, and the film, where at one stage, uh, when the priest seems to be getting involved in the dispute over the land or over the field, he's told very quickly, now, Father, your domain is inside that, that, that uh, sanctuary, and what happens out here is, is our business, you know? And I suppose... We've grown up maybe with a form of Catholicism where we think, you know, as long as we're doing our religious duty, uh, going to mass and, and maybe taking the sacraments and so on, the rest of it really is our own business. And it's not. Uh, how can I love the God I do not see if I do not love the neighbor whom I do see? And so really, you could summarize all you've talked about there and what we see in Fratelli Tutti in terms of love of neighbor. And that very much is the church's business. Now, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, Pope Francis, particularly of his teaching on, on care of the earth, care of the common home, many rich Catholic capitalists were very upset, particularly in the United States. And, you know, uh, some bishops were a little concerned that their collection plate might go down a bit after it because, you know, he was he was calling them to task. He was calling people to task over uh, over care of the earth and, and ecological responsibility and calling people to what he called ecological conversion. But it is very much our business. We are stewards of creation. We are also stewards of one another uh, as co-human beings, as fellow human beings. We have a responsibility for each other, even for those most marginalized and most removed in a sense, in physical distancing from ourselves. Um, you know, and I think if ever, if anything, if COVID has taught us anything, we realize now the interconnectedness of all things. Somebody gets sick in Wuhan, and the Irish economy collapses, you know? So we're all interconnected. Uh, we all depend upon one another. And um, the reality is that the Pope, in fact, because he doesn't have, as Stalin said, how many legions has the Pope? Because he doesn't have armies, he doesn't have legions. He's not a world power. He's not claiming on the basis of having a, a nuclear arsenal to try to influence uh, world opinion. He's claiming it on the basis of truth. He speaks the truth. Truth is self-authenticating. When we hear truth, we know it is the truth. We might like it, 
but we know it is true. And so that is the authority. Um, again, I think it is actually Albert Nolan. Uh, he said that Jesus made truth his authority, not authority his truth. Jesus made truth his authority, not authority his truth. So many people make authority their truth. They claim, I'm the president, I'm whatever, therefore you do X, Y, Z, and so on. And that doesn't cut it anymore. Um, that really doesn't cut it anymore. So I think he, people who try to label the Pope as red or blue or whatever else, they're just trying to get away from the truth of what he's saying. In terms of, you know, if I'm afraid we're, as usual, it's a program, we're running out of time on this one, Eamon, but in terms of your ordinary Joe Soap that's sitting in, well, I was going to say sitting in the pew, but actually at the moment everyone's sitting in their sitting rooms. Um, you know, if, in terms of picking up this document and reading through it, what would be your advice? Okay, look at, let's be honest here, it's a long document, okay? Uh -huh. um, there are brilliant summaries of it out there. There's some very good summaries out there. Get a summary. Please expose yourself to the to the challenge of what Pope Francis is saying. Um, you know, you'll find them on the internet, I'm sure, if people don't want the, uh, a virtual copy, they'll get a, a, a hard copy somewhere. Um, listen to the call to be globally responsible, to think beyond how things that immediately affect us, to move outside of what Pope Francis elsewhere call, has called the globalization of indifference, where we only react when, when, when something lands on our own door, when, when, we, when somebody stands on our own toe, to actually experience that sense of proximity to other people. And again, I think we're very good at that in Ireland. I think we're very generous people in so many ways. Um, but to actually take some responsibility um, for things that are not just immediately pressing and affect us, but affect our planet, both in terms of care for ecology and care for human well-being. There are there 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 is huge suffering, huge environmental destruction, huge destruction of of cultures going on at our very on our very doorstep at this time. The issues that Pope Francis points to are very real issues, and we're all complicit in them at one level because actually we have um, we benefit very often from the exploitation of others. Our lifestyles are only tenable are only possible and sustainable because others actually suffer. But the issues Pope Francis addresses in this document, I think, are real issues uh, that affect all of us. And we're being called to, to become more alert, more engaged, more responsible in regard to these issues. Father Raymond, listen, thanks a million for coming on the programme today to share with us on that. So that, that of course, what I'm referring to, of course, there is Fratelli Tutti, new encyclical from Pope Francis. And as Eamon said, um, delve into it, like, like a lot of things that Francis says, challenging and um, if we if we, if we we you know really get into it it kind of, you know, he, he puts it up to us there's no, there's no two ways around that, Pope Francis is a man that challenges us and it's not something that's happening out there folks, it's something which each and every one of us has a part to play in it. So as we come to the end of this part two of the programme, uh, we have our next piece of music, uh, John so the piece of music I thought might be opportune to play at this stage is one sung by Shine. It's entitled Open My Eyes, Lord. So join us again in part three, where we read and reflect on the word of God.
So welcome back again to the third part of Circus Space 102 FM, which is coming from our Come and See studio here in Ada. Again, my name is John Keeley, and Shane is still with me. And thanks again, Shane, for getting Father Eamon to come on and just open up a little bit of the encyclical uh, that Pope Francis just um, just published there recently. 
it's something that I, I, we were reminded by Father Father Eamon and yourself maybe just just maybe to find a find an easy summary maybe somewhere on the internet maybe and just ease ourselves into what the Father what the Holy Father has to say. It's important that we do acquaint ourselves with that. So thanks again for that. So now we'll come to the part of the program where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, we'll ask yourself, Shane, please to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word that you inspired in your May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and deeply. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to give us. We know that our hearts are closed, often capable of comprehending the simplicity of your Word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Shane. So the Gospel for today is the 33rd Sunday, as I said, in Ordinary Time. And the Gospel is taken from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus spoke this parable to his disciples. The kingdom of heaven is like a man on his way abroad who summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to a third one, each each in proportion to his ability. Then he set out. The man who'd received the five talents promptly went and traded them and made five more. The man who had received two made two more in the same way. But the man who'd received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now a long time after, the master of those servants came back and went through his accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents came forward and bring in five more. Sir, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. Here are five more that I've made. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've shown you can be faithful in small things. I'll trust you with greater. Come and join in in your master's happiness. Next the man with two talents came forward. Sir, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. Here are two more that I've made. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have shown you can be faithful in small things. I shall trust you with greater. Come and join in your master's happiness. Last came forward the man who had the one talent. Sir, he said, I had heard you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered. So I was afraid, and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. Here it is. It was yours, you have it back. But his master answered, but his master answered him, You wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I reap what had not sown, and gather what had not scattered. Well then, you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have recovered my capital with interest. So now, take the talent from him and give it to the man who has five talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have more than enough. But from the man who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And as for this good-for-nothing servant, throw him into the dark, where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. 
So that's the gospel for today from Matthew in the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Shane, you might have a thought you might want to share with us, please. Yeah, um, so this, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of the liturgical year um, with this week's gospels and the readings. And very much uh, as we're drawing to the close of Matthew's gospel for this year, because for the, the new liturgical year, we will be switching uh to Mark, um, we have put before us this rather unusual kind of a gospel, I suppose, this morning. Now, I suppose to modern ears, when we, we hear about talents, people kind of think of their skills and abilities and, and you know, Britain's got talent kind of a thing. Um, but obviously, in the context of, of, the, of the gospel story, what, what, what's actually spoken about here is um, wealth. It, it's, it's not just coins, it's substantial wealth. And what what people are doing with it when they when they're given it by the master before he goes away, and of course that's what's put before us is three very different responses to it. And I suppose the challenge that's always put there is asking ourselves when we're listening to listen to a parable or we're listening to an account of the gospel, where are we in that story, and how, what is it saying to us as we do our lecture each week on it? Now it's interesting. I hadn't actually realised this myself until uh, I came across some of the notes during the week, but. If you actually, under Jewish law, if you buried something in the ground and it went missing, you were actually absolved, absolved of any responsibility, uh, which is an interesting insight into the approach the third guy actually took, because burying something was a form of like putting it in a safe, keeping it safe like we would in, in the modern world. Uh, but of course, the biggest challenge, I suppose, that this gospel poses to us when we think about it and we look at it is it's asked us the question, how are we responding to the love that God gives to each one of us. What's our reaction to it? How are we responding to it? And what way are we giving back in terms of that which is given to us? And I suppose this very much actually links into the, the second part of the program, because where Pope Francis was speaking about our human responsibilities in terms of solidarity and fraternity and uh, uh, awareness of neighbor and responsibility to neighbor. Um, you know, he, and he'd given certain concrete examples in relation to that, in relation to that, which we discussed in part two of the program. But I suppose on a day-to-day basis, I suppose you know, if you were to look at it this way, responding, responding to the love of God. Which one are we? Are we are we actively trying to respond at mercy of God, or is it more a case of kind of a oh, well, is there and we know about it and shirt his brand? Um, you know, and it's it's something I suppose that we need to think about, and that, that's that's one of the things that's put forward as we as we come to the end of the liturgical year. It's a reminder to Christians that we are also talking about not just the end of the liturgical time, but the end of our own time. And while none of us knows the time nor the place, um, it's something that Christians, in particular, and Catholics by tradition, are always encouraged to reflect on. Um, you know, at the end of at the end of the day, at the end when 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 uh, when things are over, we are all called to give account for our stewardship. Um, and the question is, how would we be found? Would we be found wanting, or which one of these particular servants would we be imitating? So I suppose the question then becomes for us, uh, which which role do we fall into? And it's an interesting one as well in terms of will we be open to listening and hearing the call or the response, well done, good and faithful servant. And I suppose that's that's one of the questions that's given. It's one of the themes, it's one of the text that's used often um, in the prayers for the dead or the dying. And it's a reminder to us, I suppose, as well, that that's the challenge that's put out there before us. 
we talk about you know the 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 response to the generosity of God, what has been given to us. And I suppose one of the things that we sometimes, um, maybe we're not so good at sitting down, is sitting down maybe counting our blessings. It's kind of a lib, lib statement that's sometimes made. Um, but, and particularly when things are tough, like they are at the minute, where people are, you know, and us and all the rest, and we're not quite sure where things are going. Um, sometimes it's hard to sit down and to kind of, you know, as we approach the end of the liturgical year, kind of look back and think about what are the blessings that we've had over the last five. Where are, where have been the divine moments, the divine moments of encounter, where we have been aware or, or have seen the hand of God in our daily lives. And in terms of the generosity that God has put forward for us, to, to us, and the love that has been, you know, shared with us uh, throughout throughout our throughout our, the daily moments of, of our life. And one of the challenges we have sometimes is that when we talk about faith, it's sometimes people kind of tie it down to particular moments. And generally, you know, we've we've seen a lot of debate recently about tying things down to liturgical moments in church buildings. And I suppose one of the challenges that we have is understanding that our relationship with God is not defined per se by the four walls of a building. That, you know, as Christians, as Catholics, we are called to recognize that it Jesus walks with us all the time, that he's with us all the time, that we are called to respond to him, you know, most and in, in, in all the things that we do during during the day, during our lives. And it's 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 something for us to, to think about and to reflect on. The other side of it, of course, is also very much the the idea that what uh, what way, as, as well as being asked how we are accountable for our stewardship, we'll also be looking as to what way we'll be God will respond to what we do, uh, or God's response to us will be. And of course, the other side of it is that. Um, God has freely given us these talents. He's also given us free will, which implies that there's a certain degree of responsibility on each of us to, to respond or to react, or to uh, be adult enough in terms of how we, we deal with that great gift that's given. And of course, the thing about it is with great rights, like you know, we are children of God, we are able to call God, God, Father, Abba, Father, um, also comes responsibilities. It's one of the things sometimes that's overlooked when we hear an awful lot of discussions about rights is sometimes you hear, well, what about people's responsibilities? So as Christians, what are our responsibilities in terms of, react, you know, in terms of that response to the call of God in our daily lives? So as we come, to, I suppose, to the end of the liturgical year, I suppose the question is, will, will be there, uh, you know, what... What is our what is our place? What is our response? What is our overall responsibility to respond, to react, to respond, to return, and to treasure the gifts that God has given us, and in particular the gifts of God's love and God's mercy? Thank you for that, Shane. And I, I must say, I like the reminder there about. Um, but we also have a responsibility. I like that idea. <clears throat> That's all that came to me um, as I reread the gospel a few times now before, just before the program. 
the one line in the first paragraph, the last line, the, the, the last sentence in the first paragraph, the last two sentences actually, um, spoke to me and he said, to the one he gave five talents, to the other two, and to a third one, and this is the one that got me, each in proportion to his ability. Each in proportion to his ability. For some reason that kept on ringing in my ear. And as I said, this line jumped out of me, the thought came to me of the Lord coming to each of us and asking each of us to help him to do something. Give us each a task to work with, to make his world the place that he'd like it to be. But he'll never give us something to do that he hasn't prepared us for. And he hasn't given us the ability to do. Not many of us are gifted to write inspirational material to help others journey through life. But we're not all expected to do that. Not many of us have the ability or the talent to give talks and retreats and seminars to encourage others. But we're not expected to do that. But the Lord has given us all some talent and some natural ability. It might be to cook or to bake or to sing. It might be to work as a teacher or a nurse or a gardener. It might be to become a parent or a carer or a kind neighbour. Whatever. God has created us with something to help him connect with others. So my takeaway from today's gospel is to do what I can. I can't do what I think or what I think I don't have the ability to do. But I can do what I've been asked to do. And that reminds me again about what Shane said. I have that responsibility too. That if the Lord's given me the ability to do something, I can't just sit down and 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 ignore what's really my obligation to do. You know, um, and just let somebody else suffer maybe because of my laziness to get up in the morning or whatever it might do. Others might need, need, need me to, or others certainly do need me to use the talents that I have help them in the journey of life and sometimes I think we forget that we forget oh poor little old me I mean I can do nothing but we're not expected to, to, to change the world but uh, as people often say we're placed in a, in a certain neighbourhood within a certain family within a certain circle of people and that's what the Lord wants us and there's something that I can contribute there it mightn't be the biggest light bulb in the circle but it might be some little light that somebody might need, and it might be the way I say it, that might just happen to help somebody else. So maybe this week, what I have to do is to reflect back again as best I can on the talents that the Lord has, has asked me to do. Um, ask him, of course, all the time, all the time, to reflect on how I'm supposed to use the talents that he's given, but also to thank God so much for all the talents that he's given me. And he's all given us something. We should always thank God. I think Psalm 139, I think it is, to, to thank God for the, for the wonderful made and wonderful way he's made us. Every, every, every bone and every sinew and every muscle in our body, God knows about it. And, and he's created us in the way he's created us to do something. So maybe for my own little take on it, uh, the piece of music that, that I, I was thinking about were ringing through my ear. Uh, just to finish off the program this morning, uh, it maybe sums up my thoughts in the gospel. It's sung by Valimir Jensen and Tom McKenzie. Played it often in the program before, but I played again. Maybe it might just encourage some of us to do what we can. It's entitled This Little Light of Mine.
So that's my little take on the gospel. Thanks again, Shane, for, for sharing your thoughts. We'll try and do it all again next week. And in the meantime, um, enjoy the week, listeners. Um, if, if you can, as I said, yeah, after the 11 a.m. news, for those uh, of you who might wish, 11 a.m. news on West Limit 102, the rose has been prayed each morning. And uh, John's again, of course, Sunday, Sunday mornings for Mass. And then, of course, our regular program on Sunday evenings. There's something coming up later on um, in December. There's, a, there's actually a, a, a Christmas mission by the Redemptist in Limerick. I was speaking with Father Seamus. And at the moment, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm in contact with Wesley one or two to, to see, can I bring, again, just some of what that mission um, has for people coming up to Christmas. But I'll tell you that maybe in the next week or two. But in the meantime, for myself and Shane, thanks a lot for joining us. And we'll go out, as I said, with this beautiful piece of music, as far as I'm concerned, from Valimar Janssen and Tom McKenzie. And maybe we can all do this for the week. Keep on shining our lights. This is entitled, This Little Light of Mine. So next week for myself and Shane, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye.